You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome in, everyone, to a Western Conference preview. As promised, I'm Gavin Spittle and joined by EP Ringside, Shapshot. D Magazine, his name of the book is called We Win Here, about the Texas Stars and those players that are now with the Dallas Stars and some really cool stories. He is Sean Shapiro. He is geared up. He is rested. He's got fresh legs, and he is ready to take on this Western Conference Final. Am I correct? Yes, yes, you are. It's uh, the... uh... Couple of some dark nights on the NHL schedule after Game Seven. Got some good sleep, and uh, I don't know. Sometimes it's good to have the uh, the refresh, right? I'll, I'll casually yeah. watch. I'll casually watch uh, Florida and Carolina tonight, but just kind of casually and just a good. Uh, you need the break sometimes, so it was a good break within a within a busy time. <laughs> Does Sean Shapiro remember? Seems like I, I'm going to say this a young Gavin Spittle because that's how long it seems like it was ago that someone mentioned Carolina coming from the East. I uh, I think we definitely talked about that. Right, so you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't have a, I don't have a book out, so I have to toot my horn wherever yeah, I can. I think some, I think some credits do. So. All right, if they make it, if they make it, <laughs> yeah. you never know with these Panthers. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, we spoke to Lindsey Brown and uh, former Division One goaltender covers the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, and you know one of the things I wanted to know was a perspective like how are they looking at the stars. And what's the town like? And and I explained is you have the Raiders coming off the draft and you have the Oakland A's moving. So lots of sports happening in Las Vegas. I said, you know, where do the Knights? And she absolutely said 100% this is a Golden Knights town because this team was born here. And that's one of their sayings is Vegas born. We had the unfortunate tragedy, the shootings, and that really inspired the team, and the team kind of rallied around the community. So it's fascinating. And I also asked her, Sean, about what from a Vegas person covering Vegas and from a fan perspective, what are the thoughts on the Dallas Stars? Who are you looking at? And she basically said it all starts with Jake Ottinger. It's it's. It's interesting too to think about Vegas. I think one of the best moves the NHL did in their expansion process, and I think it's the same. The same thing will can be said about uh, and not as much about Seattle because Seattle has the NFL team and they have the and they've actually had pretty vibrant soccer following up there too. But I think one of the best moves the NHL made was being the first league into Vegas. I really think that was. Um, that was such a great move for the league and full credit to them. Um, 
this league sometimes gets ripped on for not being forward thinking. I think that the Vegas expansion was a forward thinking spot by the NHL. And it's, uh, I have an uncle who lives out there and I hear, t- I talked to him quite a bit and he tells me about the, uh, that, that it is a golden Knights town as, as, as Lindsay more than expertly told you, I'm sure. And it's, uh, I would imagine people in Vegas are thinking about Jake Ottinger. They're definitely, uh, they're definitely, he's obviously the, he's the goalie. He's the big name. He's the one coming through. Um, and that's, that's, that's great. It's also kind of interesting to hear. Cause I would imagine uh, when I think of the stars right now, my first thought would be rope hints yeah. with the way the playoffs have been going. But I, I, I get, I get the goalie conversation. I get it, but, uh, I, w- I would be thinking about Rope Hints right now. Yeah, absolutely. And the other question I asked her, it's just a fascinating situation. They're goaltending. And, yeah. you know, I, I, w- I was doing a deep dive on Aiden Hill and Coyotes to Sharks, August trade to Vegas. It's just an interesting story because I got to tell you, Sean, and this is nothing, no disrespect to Aiden Hill because he played magnificent in that Vegas Edmonton series, I just don't think of Aiden Hill as a Western Conference final netminder. No, like I mean, he's he was good this year. He yeah. was he was a good. I mean, he was a good backup goalie, right? He played twenty seven games or whatever it was at a pretty good, uh, pretty good showing there and everything like that. But I mean, coming into this year. I thought Aiden Hill was, he's a good backup and I really didn't expect him to be much, much more than that. And so um, he's a guy who it's a really interesting situation in Vegas where they've had what it's, they had five different goalies play for them this year during the regular season. Um, And uh, that doesn't even include Robin Leonard who missed the entire year with injury. Like Aiden Hill is not the guy you would have thought to be, leading the way in the playoffs and um he wasn't even the one who started the playoffs it was Lauren Bersois who started the playoffs yeah so it's uh it's a really interesting Vegas team uh Aiden Hill is an interesting story just from the perspective of I always thought he was like he's been okay right like I thought he was but I never thought he was anything more than that and I want to say this as a respectful thing because I he's it's and this is not as a bad thing, but I I never saw him as anything more than like a Mike McKenna type. Remember when like Mike McKenna was in I Dallas? I absolutely where, do, and I think that's a yeah, fair comparison. And I agree yeah. with you. I love his size, but you know it's yeah. just it's good for him. I mean, yeah. I just remember the Aiden Hill that I watched in Arizona primarily when they played against the Stars. I remember saying, "Wow, really good size," but I didn't see like, "Whoa, this guy's the next." No, no. And even I saw him play in the AHL a little bit too. And it was, he was good, but he didn't have that it factor or anything like that. I mean, it's, uh, it's a good story and it's yeah. also, it also shows the strength of this Vegas team too, to a, to an extent where they've been kind of able to plug and play goalies throughout the, this entire season, regular season and playoffs using two in the playoffs. And it's been and they've had been able to, it shows how good that team is too. The fact that um, they've been able to, they don't change at all when you shuffle the goalie or anything like that. It just shows how good this team is. And I mean, 
Gavin, this is going to be a fun series. Yeah. Honestly, this is going to be like, from a hockey perspective, this is going to be fun. High marks the other day from Vegas head coach Bruce Cassidy when he mentioned when they asked how the stars match up, he compared, and it was a like comparison, although he said, like Edmonton, we have to shut down the Dallas power play. And, you know, I mean, hey, I grabbed that headline just like everyone else because You know, I mean, that Edmonton power play, we were all marveled at. But I guess when you do break it down, that is one of the keys as far as staying out of the box and not allowing the Stars to establish themselves like they did in the wild the first round Um, and, and did have a little bit of success in the second round. But, I mean, it has been a power play unit that, you know, I I guess because we see them all the time, Sean, we don't really think of it in the same class as Edmonton. Yeah, I mean, it's not in the same class. It's a good power play, but it's not... um, I mean, it's from Cassidy. I I get where he's coming from. You have to stay disciplined. You have to to stay out of the box. And, I mean, from a Dallas perspective, right? Like, the only way Jason Robertson's been scoring and scoring goals in the playoffs has been on the power play. So, it is is a fair point. But um, I do think the Stars are... Um, I don't think they're a, I, I don't, I don't think they're, I don't think just staying out of the box is, is the only solution, but that's the same thing can be said about like trying to pick teams apart at this stage Yeah, is always kind of like a, a fool's gambit, right? Like the four teams left in the playoffs. Like I said, this to someone the other day about like the Florida Panthers, the Florida Panthers was an upset when they beat the Bruins. It was an upset when they beat the Maple Leafs, but when you're in the final four, you're no longer a surprise. You're no longer an underdog. Everyone knows who you are. You're one of the best four teams in the NHL this season. And both these, both Dallas and Vegas are two of the best four teams in the NHL this season. And that's what makes this series great. This is what you want for the final four. You don't want, you don't want it to be going in like, ah, this is lopsided. Like, no, like this series, I haven't seen what the picks are across the board for people, but like, I would imagine it's a coin flip. You've got people picking Dallas people picking Vegas. And I, uh, I would imagine this is going to be a, a long, a long battle and could be a fun one, a real fun one too. So one of the names that I talked to Lindsay about, and he's become a Vegas mainstay. There are a couple names for Vegas that I wanted to talk to you about. The first is we almost forget that Riley Smith was the, one of the key parts in the Tyler Sagan trade and that he's been really good for the Knights. Lindsay said they kind of relied on him a little bit too much last year, but on that third line this year, he's had a really good season. So Riley Smith's turned into a really good pro. I mean, granted, we'll take Sagan, but Riley Smith's turned into a really good player. Vegas acquires Barbershev, and he's had a nice uh, playoff run. I, I personally don't think of Barbershev as a first-line you know, player, but I wanted to get your thoughts and what he brings to the table on the same line as a Jack Eichel. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Barbashev's a... I think he can be... He's kind of one of those complementary pieces. If he's on a... He can play on the top line, and he has played with Eichel and everything like that. And in a team where you spread things out, I think he fits. Um, but this, I mean... This Vegas team is well built. Built the fact you can you can play Barbashev up there because of the depth throughout your lineup. I mean, this is a Vegas team that is 
healthy, scratching Phil Kessel, right? This is a team. This is a Vegas team where think about the depth on this team. This team, um, one of the things I like about Barbashev's game and the way he plays off of, like, I, I like how he and Eichel play off of each other. It's been interesting to see those two kind of mesh rather quickly, even though they, I think they play, they're probably like 30-something games together now between the playoffs and the regular season. They've meshed together really well. And, I mean, Eichel has been, he's been, I mean, as we talk about, as I say, like, if you're looking at Dallas, you look at Ropa Hints. Eichel has been one of the stories of this playoffs. He's someone who we've waited feels like forever to see him in the postseason, and he's delivering. Mm-hmm. He's he's playing. He's playing extremely well, and uh, obviously, it's he's not McDavid. We know that, but on the but he's showing. He's kind of winning the head-to-head series with McDavid how he's leading this Vegas team, obviously in, in conjunction with Mark Stone. It's uh, like you look at the moves they made and some of the risks they took with that injury. Like to be like, I know it's it's easy for us to sit in a video game world and be like, oh, they just traded for Jack Eichel. There was a lot of risks taken by Absolutely. Vegas to that Eichel trade. Because like that, what if that back surgery didn't work? What if he didn't come back well? There was a ton of risks taken. And Vegas not only took risks with the injury front, but with some of the moves they've made with Eichel, Petrangelo, um, with how close they they have been to the salary cap and how fast and loose they've played with uh, being so tight to the cap and with their goalies and everything like that. They've taken a lot of risks and it's fitting there in Vegas, right? Because sometimes you have to bet wing to bet big to win big. And that's what they've done. And the Barbashev trade, a great ad on that. But it's actually one of the smaller risks they took compared to some of the bigger ones almost. Yeah, yeah. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. So one would think, well, I'll ask you, how do the Stars attack Petrangelo? Because that's the quarterback. So how do they put pressure on Vegas? Um, We saw, you know, the ability to try to, you know, the speed help break that Seattle forecheck when they could get it out of the zone quickly. What's your thoughts on from what you've seen as how the stars can be effective against Vegas. Yeah, that's a good, I mean, Petrangelo is the stars know all about Petrangelo. I mean, he is a, there's the, that iconic, uh, that iconic image of Jamie Ben sitting on a player. I believe he's sitting on Petrangelo in it. Like obviously Dallas and St. Louis had their battles for, 
but the decade or whatever he was in St. Louis. So the stars know Petrangelo well, um, but what he brings to this series, and this is the biggest thing from last from Seattle series to Vegas is there is more of there's, there's more of that star power, more of that one big guy that leads everything. And um, like with Seattle, it was a combination of Schwartz, Dunn, Alexiak. They were they came at you in waves, which is a strength, but also at the same time, a bit of a weakness. There's no there's no leader. Where in Vegas, I think the defense is good overall, but Petrangelo, he he plays a ton. He and you have to, as the Stars have done when they have had success and when they have had success against St. Louis in the past, you have to come at him with speed. It's just, it's, it's one of those things. He handles speed. Well, he's an elite NHL defender, but you have to come out with, come at him with speed. You have to, you have to look at the it's, it's, you have to focus on, you have to find a good mix of possession, um, good mix of possession with kind of a little bit more of the dump and chase play. And as a quick aside, dump and chase is not always bad. I mean, think back to game seven, Gavin, how did the stars score both their goals? Absolutely. High flip plays, dump yep. and chase. Yeah. So I that's it starts with it starts with going at guys like Petrangelo like that. And it's kind of finding that correct level of respect. And that's how you have to treat this series. You have to respect and treat Vegas with you know they have the horses that Seattle didn't, and you have to respect that, but you also can't over-respect that you can't change your game too much and i think that's sometimes what teams can get into traps teams can fall into and you just have to avoid that trap you just have to keep rolling things and if anyone's going to know how to attack this team internally the stars have the intel of pete DeBoer. like that's 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 obviously slight obviously bruce cassie is a great coach and there have been some tweaks but you hired the old team's coach there's going to be some some intel there on players that i'm sure uh, in the meetings, in the meetings this week, DeBoer has gone over with, with the forwards, with the, with every single line of look, Hey, these are the tendencies for Petrangelo when the puck goes to the left corner or it's on his backhand. Those things are going to be, I think, valuable in this series too. I think it's very rare in sports to have a playoff series at this high level with a coach that coached the team you are playing. Can't really think of one. I mean, yeah, like years go by, and you do. Well, yeah, the, yeah. This, this, this recently, yes. It's yes. hard. It's hard to. It's hard to think of it this recently. Yeah. Like, I mean, like obviously, like in out east, Paul Maurice coached sure. Carolina a yeah. long, long time ago. But yeah. No one from, but no one from, no one from that team is still playing. Right. But the the like and yeah, the immediate aftermath of a the playoff series of it to this extent is hard for me to think of a of an example, uh, at least in North American sports where you have the immediate, like the one team fires someone and then you play them again in the, on the biggest stage, well, second to biggest stage the following season. Um, it's going to be, uh, for DeBoer, it's, uh, it's a revenge series, right? Like, and I know he admitted I remember, it. He admitted it. And when, uh, when Dallas beat Vegas earlier in the year in Vegas, he chugged a beer after the game because the stars have a, if you have a big game, you chug some beers and everything like that. Well, they're not going to chug beers after they're not going to chug beers too early in the series, but I'm sure uh, 
Pete's got that vision in mind of of uh, celebrate of after a seven game series, hopefully being able to chug that beer for for beating the team that uh, that let him go. I'm one nothing over you and chugging a beer. By the way, you are you are. We will test that next week. <laughs> or maybe this weekend we'll test it we'll uh never know we'll, we'll see so in your opinion you feel as though because you said basically at this point everyone knows about everyone but you think that yeah. that that pete DeBoer's experience with the players their tendencies their personalities you do feel as though that can be an advantage for the stars i do think so i think it's i think it's something where it's not like it's not a tilt the scales majorly but I think in games of inches, like the in games of inches, which the playoffs are, I think I think it is. I think I think it's an advantage. I think it's you see it with individual players where we should talk about Evgeny Dadanov here, right? Where Pete DeBoer and Evgeny Dadanov had history, and one of the reasons D- Dadanov has clicked in Dallas was DeBoer knew how knew how to help him click. They knew to help help him find uh, a connection and everything like that. And it's similar to that on the opposite end where. It's not going to be, it's not, oh, it doesn't overly tilt the scales. Like, but in a series where you say, hey, it's a coin flip 50 50, maybe it becomes 53 47, 52 48. Like, where it's like, it's like, like that, where it's, that is the advantage of having that, that intel. I think Um, we should talk about Dadanov because he's a fascinating story. Like, yes, obviously we've talked about him before and how he's moved around, but, this is a guy who Pete DeBoer has his revenge on his mind and everything like that. But Dadanov is uh, <laughs> Dadanov played for Vegas. It was uh, he, last season, right? Mm-hmm. And he has the has a decent forty three points in yep. seventy eight games. And yep. name mentioned at the trade deadline. And they they, they tried to trade him. <laughs> yeah, and. They voided his no trade clause. Yes, they did. Well, I mean, his, his no his no trade clause voided the trade. Sorry, they tried to trade him. They agreed to the trade. Uh, they traded him to a team on his no trade list. And the NHLPA had to step in and file a grievance, and uh, and 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 make it and and make him so he wasn't traded to Vegas, and he still played a full seventy eight games there. Uh, and then in the summer. When he did get traded to Montreal, who was not on his no trade list, he got traded for the contract of uh, Shea Weber. He was basically just traded as a cap, as a uh, as an LTIR move for Vegas. Like he's someone who <laughs> we talk about someone who wasn't just discarded, but like awkwardly discarded, not allowed to leave because he didn't want to go right. to Anaheim, and then <laughs> to, and then finally traded again. Um, I think it's kind of fitting that he had the assist on the game winning goal last series to help set up this series uh, because uh, he's someone who, even though he's moved around a little bit in his career, partially by choice, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, you talk about a mo- an internal motivator that uh, it's hard to beat that fire of wanting to beat someone after. Absolutely. They did, so yeah, absolutely. And plus he's, you know, playing for the next contract. Obviously, as is the person that I wanted to spotlight, and that's Max Domi, who I think can be really effective in this series. Uh, I love his grit. Um, I think, I don't want to say it was a coming out party the last series, but we started to see 
the comfort level as far as playoff Max Domi. So I'm excited what he can do against this Vegas Golden Knights team. Yeah, I think, you know, Domi's starting to, he had the, I think what Domi's provided in the playoffs is more of a reflection of what would have, should have been expected with when he came over from Dallas. He obviously had a bit of that. We talked about it multiple times on this podcast where he didn't really have the desired impact in the regular season. Um, but then I think in the playoffs, I mean, he's got what, 11 points. I think he's starting to help open things up. There's games where he's shown a clear, just understanding of the moment. Um, he's someone who you talk about an opportunity, right? Like I don't, I mean, this is his, he had the, he had the playoffs last year against K with Carolina. He had like, he talked about seizing the moment, right? Like last year with Carolina, he was okay. He had like six points in 14 games or whatever it was. And this year he's more well-rounded. He's bringing a bit more. Um, and he's bringing a little bit of fire and edge to a mm-hmm. team that, that, that needs it too. So. Yeah. 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 I, no, I, I completely agree with you. And once again, you know, he's playing for a new contract as well, so a lot of eyes will uh, be on him. Who is your spotlight as far as the stars, you know, key, whether it's, you know, player that we might not think of yeah. or is the spotlight back on Jason Robertson? I mean, it, it always, it's it's hard not to talk about Robertson because obviously it's got the, uh, you know, the only the two goals so far and the, the we're still looking for that kind of breakout at, at regular, at, at even strength. Um, it's, it's obviously it's that, but I, I really think this is the type of, and it's hard to like, he's the captain. So it's hard not to talk about him, but we get, we're at this time in his career where we get this deep into these podcasts, right? We're, we're 20, 30 minutes into the podcast and we haven't talked about Jamie Ben yet. And for, and I wrote about this week and this week for D in, in D magazine, all about how the, how Jamie Ben basically moved into the shadows this season, but willingly, right? Like his ice time cut got cut back. Um, he stepped into being the secondary figure on his own line. Um, and he really thrived in that situation, stepping back and being the secondary attacker and everything like that. I think in this series, we're going to see a lot of, We'll see a lot of strength on strength. We'll see the hints line against Eichel. And I think that that Ben hint that that Ben uh Dodonov Johnston line, I think that line could be one of the reasons the stars win or lose this series. I think Ben is gonna have a big opportunity to kind of to kind to kind of make his mark. And um I, I look back to two years, uh, three years ago now when he was really heartbroken and, and, and after the stars lost in the bubble and you look back at that moment and obviously Ben is not very open with the media and we joke about it, but it's true. Like inside, he probably didn't think he, he didn't know how close he'd be again. And he's got that opportunity again. And so you get, you get Jamie Ben in one of the biggest stages of his career with actual fans in the building. And you get him in a spot where 
it's going to be a team against Vegas that I think the stars are going to need Ben to kind of lead physically a little bit, not fight anyone or anything like that, but so much of the stars style and following Ben can start with momentum. And I think he's going to have a bit of that opportunity in this series. And I know it's, it's weird to talk about the captain as like a guy who might be overlooked, but where he is in his career, he's been able to, the stars are better because that's the case, but you also can't take away from Ben what he's done to help the team reach here. And I mean, similar things for Sagan, but we saw him step up a little bit more mm-hmm. onto the first line, but, but I really think this is going to be one of those like defining. I think this series has a real potential to be a defining Jamie Ben moment when five, six, seven years from now, um, if number 14 is likely retired, which I would imagine it probably will be, at some point when when Jamie Ben's number is retired, I have a feeling this is the type of series where it could be the space where we look at it and be like, these are the ones that you remember because in the quote unquote twilight of his career, even though like he's only 33. It's it's weird to say that, but it's just with how he's played and how he's aged and everything mm-hmm. like that. It's one of those where it's like, this is the the moment. This is a moment Jamie Ben can seize. And I don't think it passes him by here. So, yeah, absolutely. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle. We're doing a Western Conference preview on Spits and Suds, 105.3 The Fan. Remember to uh, like us, favorite us, so you can get this uh, showing up on your phone or whatever device you have. Um, so when we have new episodes and we're putting out a lot of stars content right now, uh, it'll alert you. And two things that I always find interesting when you do make a Western conference final is you just mentioned Tyler Sagan, Jamie Ben. We really aren't saying a couple things. One, we're not talking about their contracts as much, which is a good thing. Yep. And yep. I think the other thing is, the players around them, I think, are, I don't want to say extend their career, but I think, you know, they have some um, tools around. Like Wyatt Johnston has made Jamie Ben better this year, or Ben has made Wyatt Johnston better. But the bottom line is, is the pair together are, are, a, are a terrific combo. The other thing which I love about this Stars team is when I looked at the bubble, I remember talking about and thinking to myself, well, I feel as though this is a nice run. And now, Sean, honest to goodness, I'm thinking with Stankoven coming, with Maverick Bork down in the minors, Harley, Heishkinen, Rupe Hintz, Robertson, Ottinger, you can say all those things. 
This, to me, seems like the potential for an elongated run, and that's what I'm so excited about. Yeah, it's, I mean, this this starts, this feels... Um... This feels like the reopening of a quote unquote window, right? Like you go from there was the 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 Ben Sagan window, and if they were only relying on Ben and Sagan, it probably would have closed two years ago. Yes. With that run. And now instead, and this is something the stars have done really well, and Jim Nell deserves a ton of credit for this. The stars have allowed this is now the it's 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 easy it's it's this is now the Miro hit it's like you look use the 2017 draft class as the poster children for it but like this is the 2017 draft class window now where they they are the now the leaders of this franchise and it, with Miro Hishkin and Jason Robertson and Jake Ottinger they're the leaders of this franchise going forward um Ben and Sagan and Pavelski will obviously be part of it now but when Ben Sagan and Pavelski are gone this this window will still be open because because of those three and Rope hints and then the other guys coming up behind him and we see Thomas Harley in this playoffs too like this is a space where you don't want to like you don't read too much you don't want to like you want to enjoy the run and enjoy the good times while you're in them so I I want people to not take any playoff run for granted because I mean look people in Toronto went 20 years without winning the playoff series so don't don't take any playoff run for granted. But this series against Vegas, and you look at the Eastern Conference, these four teams, they feel like they're not going anywhere. It feels like the it feels like when you look at kind of the power shift in the NHL right now, when you look at how things are constructed, the concept of Vegas being the most northern franchise in the final four. That may not be that it's not that crazy of a thing to think as a norm going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And something get ready to cheer stars fans. This will be talked about in this series. When you look at tomorrow night, 730 puck drop Sunday, two o'clock game three here in Dallas, seven o'clock game four, Thursday, May 25th, seven o'clock game five over the weekend on Saturday in Vegas, seven o'clock and then game six. 7 o'clock. Game 7, we go to 8 o'clock. I mean, it's, I mean, granted, it's because you have East and then you have West and you have to appease the, you know, you can't start things at 9 o'clock because no one from the East Coast is going to watch. But at the same time, this is what we've talked about, that missed opportunity to get the new Stars fans, the, oh, wow, what's going on, to get the to get the youth excited. And and I mentioned the Connor Bedard interview that he did recently where he talked about the Kevin Bieksa playoff goal and how excited he was as a five-year-old. That's what I'm talking about that this series can create, and I think that's awesome for the local area. And I think this is, for Dallas' perspective, I think this is such a great – it's actually kind of one of those where – You'd love to be the home, the higher seed and have start at home in the room. But I actually think it's a great setup for from a Dallas perspective where you get uh, and I can say this is someone who has, has has kids, right? Like Friday night game. I'm OK. Yeah, that's a late night. You can yeah. stay up and watch yeah, that. You yeah. can stay up and watch that one. And then, you know what? Sunday, two o'clock start. That's an afternoon game. That's that's great. And then. You build into you build into the home game Wednesday and Thursday, and the area will be buzzing. Like it's a, it is a, it's a great uh, it's a great time for hockey. It's a great time for the growth of the game, 
And I think it also fits well too with this, uh, one of the nice things for lack of a better word about it, one of the nice things about, about Vegas is scheduling, I think. And Gavin, you know this, you've been out to Vegas. Mm, I lived there four and a half yeah. years. Vegas is, Vegas is used to odd times. Absolutely. So like Vegas, like, so like, for example, a, like a, what a two o'clock it's technically, it's a two o'clock central start on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's noon on Vegas. Like, a sporting event starting at noon local time in Vegas isn't, that's not a big deal. Like no. it's used to that. Like I yep. remember when the all-star game was there two years ago, I was, and I was out there. It's like, it started at, I think it was like four o'clock, whatever locally. It wasn't a big deal because Vegas is used to that. And so in a weird way, it's almost the, you know, the perfect fit where it's not like you're talking about a city like LA or, right. or LA or, or Edmonton or whatever, where you're like, well, you, you have to have the times that work for people getting off of work or something like that. No, it, it's Vegas is the, one of the entertainment capitals of the world, but they're yeah. used to these times. So I'm not really, you, you, you could have, you could put the game at midnight in Vegas and it'd still be packing and rocking. So, right. Absolutely. <laughs> and for those wondering, you know, as a person who lived there and took great pride in Nevada, it's a terrific place to live. Um, one thing people have to realize the boxing matches that are on late and that's basically a tourist attraction. This is locals. This is people outside the strip that don't go down the strip unless they a work there, B have a friend in town that they have to take down there. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, Vegas has a massive local sports fan base that truly embraced Vegas, as we mentioned at the top of this podcast, they embrace this team and they love this team. And so, I, you know, I just wanted to provide a little perspective. Uh, and I was talking to Lindsey Brown. Uh, that's a great podcast as well when we went behind enemy lines to hear from the Vegas perspective. But when I lived there, Sean, you'd have these fly-by-night operations, a a kind of minor league independent basketball team. And then you had a, an independent hockey team that was in there. And they'd be fly-by-night operations, and they'd be here for a year or two, and they'd go away. And the thought was, sports won't work in Las Vegas. And my thought was, at least try it with a real team. And they got a real team, and they made it a massive success. So uh, really happy for the city because they deserve it. And that fan base, when I was in that barn, Sean, that fan base, the education level, I was so impressed they were all in their seats. They were cheering. They knew what was going on. They were into the game. You know, the 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 glitz and glamour is really cool in the arena, but they are there to watch hockey, uh, even more than the show part of the whole Vegas arena. So I thought, you know, it's a it's a cool place. I would recommend that Stars fans, I'm sure a lot of them will go to Vegas. I think it's a terrific place to watch hockey and be in a great hockey atmosphere. It is. my. Only, um, my only qualm with Vegas game presentation, because they do a really great job, is they, they pump the bass a little bit too much when you're in there. I do like, agree so, so, with you. Yeah, that is loud. So, yeah. so it, it is, it's a loud arena and it's great, but, um, and the people there are loud and, and you can hear the true sound of the crowd when play is going on, but, uh, they almost get a little bit, uh, they pump a little bit too much they need to turn the bass down a little bit on the overall sound system when you're in there. Um, but that's my only qualm. Like it's yeah. a great, it's, it's turned into a great hockey town. It's a, it's, it's kind of, uh, as I said earlier, my uncle lives out there and I've 
So it's it's it is the local thing to do. It's the it's the time that obviously there are always tourists. It's a great time to go there, but it's it's hard to find tickets to a Golden Knights game. It's not like going to it's because uh, it, the tickets are all gobbled up and by season yeah. ticket holders who live in the area and everything like that. And I mean, the fact that they have built um, a beautiful minor league building in Henderson right there. Oh, and yeah. Ha- pack pack that building too. like that shows you the dedication to hockey in the area. And it's uh, it's it's great. It's like we talked about being great for the sport. It's 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 great for the sport. OK, and that brings up something I do want to bring up quick, even though this is a preview. Recently, the city of Tempe has said no, voted no. A lot of money was spent to try to get the vote yes. So the stadium will not be built in Tempe. Saw an article today. Maybe they look at Mesa, which is, once again, outside. That's kind of similar to Glendale. But Mesa um, as a possible place for uh, a new stadium. But from your perspective, does that make Houston a bigger player in all of this? Yeah, I was. Yeah, the answer is yes. It's it's kind of a weird spot, right? Because you never want to. You don't. I feel for Coyotes fans because there's good. There are good hockey Absolutely. fans in Arizona, and this isn't this isn't a reflection of the Arizona hockey fan. And they've actually got a really good, vibrant youth hockey community out there now. Um, it's a it's unfortunately a reflection of ownership and. Even if you want to, even if you want to defend and and try to say, and 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 if you even if you want to defend the Alex Marillo, the Coyotes owner, and everything like that, it's really hard to, it's hard to win a public vote when your reputation is that of someone who was basically fell out of favor with the city of Glendale and didn't pay their bills and have been the center of. Uh, big expose stories about the culture of the organization and everything like that. And it's, it's, it really is an ownership issue. And I don't know, like I've talked to people about that deal that was on the table and everything I've heard about the deal that they were trying to put together for Tempe. That was probably one of the better deals you could put together. There was a lot of, um, there was even protections in that deal to protect against some of the things that have been, that that have some of the stories that have been to, to protect against some of the um, unsavory things that have that the rule has been accused of and everything like that. Um, and so, like, I don't know how you find a better deal. I don't know either. And that's that's Hell kind of a, I, I did think I, ahead. I, 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 I did think ahead, Sean, and I thought, OK, they they moved to Houston. That's a hockey ready facility. A lot of people don't know that. When that stadium was built, the Toyota Center in Houston, it was built for hockey as well as basketball. So um, it's a solid venue for hockey. Uh, Houston gets a team. They pack the barn and then move Tucson to San Antonio. San Antonio gets minor league hockey again. You know, another rival for the Texas Stars. That was just me thinking ahead. But I would think he'd have to sell the team to Fertitta because the issue is Fertitta owns the Toyota Center and the Houston Rockets. So I would think that that might be, you know, a play if they did move to Houston would just be sell the team. Yeah, when you look at the long-term future, and I don't know how this franchise gets anything done with the current ownership group. And Houston could be a solution that you hear Salt Lake City, but I just, 
I wonder if you've just reached the spot with the ownership group and their reputation. It's just too toxic for anyone, for any city, any community to trust them. And I think no matter where they are, whether it's the Arizona, Houston, Salt Lake City, Atlanta, whatever, like I, I don't know how you get it done with that ownership group. I think they've put the I think the reputation and the and the well has been poisoned too much for anyone to trust them. So Sean has an article uh, about Jamie Ben at D Magazine. So go read that. Um, check him out at Shap Shots EP Ringside. And if you cannot find him for the Dallas Stars <laughs> home game when and you bring a book, uh, we win here. I will sign it as Sean Shapiro at the game. <laughs> so uh, I, I I have a great I have a great autograph story. So I was uh, the uh, when I was in a couple. Uh, Mike Heike told me this story. And so he, uh, Mike Heike, longtime stars journalist who now works for the team. Um, Mike told me that there was one year, um, I think it was like nineties, two thousands. Love to ask Mike about this to get the exact timeline, but, um, he was helping get, uh, a Jersey sign for like some charity event. And like, he brought it in and got signed and it was just some, some charity thing, right? Like that was going to be auctioned off and everything like that. And, uh, so somebody, uh, Somebody, one of the the person whoever is, is called Mike and said, Mike, this is amazing. How'd you get Wayne Gretzky to sign the Stars jersey? And apparently, I think it was, I think it was, it might have been Mike Keenan. I'm not sure exactly who, but like someone on the Stars <laughs> signed the jersey as as Wayne signed Wayne Gretzky on the jersey. That was so. <laughs> yep. I mean that that happens. I was out with Luds one night. It was a charity dinner, and there were like five or six of us. And uh, Luds is holding court as he always does. So two things happened about an hour and a half into dinner. A guy who had family at home, um, he gets up and Luds is in the middle of telling a story, stops mid sentence and says, where the F do you think you're going? And the guy's like, I actually got to finish with my, you know, I got to go home and see my wife and kids. And Craig says, sit your ass down. We're not done yet. And the guy did. And he texted his family. So uh, probably about a half hour later, Sean, this drunk woman passes by and she goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's you. And so we're all looking at this woman and she goes, Brett Hull, will you sign something for me? And Craig just says, sure. And signs of Brett Hull. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, it, it happens. So me signing Sean Shapiro's book you know, as Sean Shapiro, I mean, fake it till you make it. Yep. 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 Or (laughs) you could give it to me and I could get Sean to shine it. You know, I guess that, that would be a little harder. Just let me sign it and we can call it a day, but it's a good book. So check it out. It's called we win here. A terrific, uh, a terrific gift, a terrific gift for this upcoming father's day. So there you go. The best part is, is throughout this whole process, Sean, we've been saying that's a May-June conversation. That's a May-June conversation. And here we are, and we haven't been able to have those conversations because they play on, and that's the best part. Yep, the May-June May, conversations are still about games, and that's there's only uh, only three other markets that are getting to do this right now. So embrace it, enjoy it, and... Uh, Oh, let's let's have some fun. This can be a fun series. Absolutely. And thanks to you all. I can't wait to see the main numbers. We're so excited that more and more of you are tuning in and we truly appreciate it. So that's a Western Conference preview. Just 
to let you know prior to tomorrow night's game, we'll release another podcast and the two-time Stanley Cup champion Craig Ludwig will join me and give his thoughts on the Western Conference Finals. So excited for tomorrow night. I'm Gavin Spittle. He's Sean Shapiro. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you so much for supporting Spits and Suds.